Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodquist. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, preseason game number two for the Packers is in the books, a loss to the New York Jets. But the analysis of this one has to start first and foremost with the quarterback position. Number three quarterback, Kurt Bankert, played pretty much the entire game, all but the final series of the game. And um, he uh, did not disappoint. He he showed that he belongs in the NFL. You remember uh, back in the 2000s with uh, the Brewers and obviously the run they got on, there was a pitcher by the name of Victor Santos. Oh, sure. He was Mr. Quality Start. It always seemed like he'd always give you like, you know, six innings, three runs, something like that, or five innings, two runs. That's what that start reminded me of, like, for Kirk Benkert. Uh, if you think about it, Mike, this wasn't the position he was supposed to be in. This is a situation where he was barely taking any team reps uh, the week before that Houston Texans game. Jordan Love sustains the shoulder injury, and I thought you saw a young man take his opportunity and really run with it yep. throughout the entire week. Practice well against the Jets. It wasn't, you know, as, much, as many eyeballs as are going to be on this game and against New York. The practices, he's, you know, seeing some pretty important reps there too, and, and he held his own. Uh, I, I think you saw the gamer tendencies with him. I thought you saw his fearlessness. Uh, this is a guy that definitely doesn't he, – he's not – he doesn't have happy feet. He plays the play as it comes to him. And, and I made this quote, and I didn't want this to come off as a dig to Kurt at all, but I, I made this quote on Twitter where I said, you know, when you have a third-string quarterback, you're just – it's not you're not always going to have a first-round pick in that spot. Yeah. You need to have a guy that's going to be able to find ways to win for you and play with a certain amount of, like, chaos. And, and I think that's what – Ben Kurt brings, and he keeps plays alive. It was an exciting football game. It wasn't error-free, but if you if you were there and you checked it out, I think you got your money's worth. Yeah, he he definitely played a solid first half. Now, there were mistakes, yes. I mean, he, he did throw an interception in the second half, a pass he would certainly like to have back. There were a couple of miscues with the footing. There was a, a shotgun snap that slipped through his hands, fortunately was grabbed by uh, by the running back there, Kylan Hill. So it wasn't, uh, as you said, it wasn't a flawless performance by any means. But when you look at look at it from the context of a, a number three quarterback who just got to Green Bay in the spring and is has been trying to learn this offense, took very few 11-on-11 snaps in the spring, very few in training camp until Jordan Love injured the shoulder in the first preseason game, he went out there with what I assume was a fairly limited menu of plays. They weren't going to overload his plate, but he but he went out there and executed. As you said, he kept plays alive. He made some things happen. There were times that he, the running backs themselves, also made some stuff out of you know nothing, so to speak. It's going to be an interesting decision here because you know in some way, shape, or form you have to have three quarterbacks in the building. The question the Packers are going to have to answer is, is Kurt Benkert on the 53-man roster, or will it, would he clear waivers and be able to get him yeah. on the practice squad so that he's still here? That's going to be that's something that they have to they have to gauge. We'll see if they take the risk or if they just keep him on there. The Atlanta Falcons, where Kurt Benkert was before, they just lost their backup quarterback AJ McCarron to a torn ACL. So then you wonder, just because of that particular team. If Bankert is available, would they would they snatch him up? All of those kinds of things the Packers are going to have to take under consideration next week at 
the roster reduction to 53. Yeah, and I think it was Arthur Smith that even put kind of the warning call out there already. We're going to probably be looking at quarterbacks next week on the waiver wire. And if you remember with the Falcons, they were the, no- <clears throat> they were the fourth overall pick this year. They have a really high waiver claim depending on right. who they're looking for. Not saying it would be Banker, but anybody. Yeah. So these are the things that teams need to think about this time of year. And as I said in inbox, it's the game within the game trying to understand your roster. And as Brian Gutekunst talked about over the weekend, how that roster could be perceived to the rest of the NFL. Okay, if we were looking at our roster, who do we want to see get cut? Who do we want to see come open that we could potentially claim? And, you know, the byproduct of this being one of the deepest August rosters we've ever covered, Mike, at least during my time on the beat, is there's going to be a lot of tough calls. It's going to happen at quarterback. It's going to happen at running back. It's going to happen at receiver. It's going to happen on offensive line. Yeah. And trying to figure out what that 53 is going to look like, but also with these expanded practice squads rules, who could still come up and maybe even play for you week one, those are all the things that Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and everybody's going to have to put into kind of tabulate to to figure out what they're going to do going into New Orleans. Yeah, well, speaking of the offensive line, I thought the Packers put together a a solid bounce-back performance from some disappointments with regard to the running game in the first preseason game against Houston. The Packers got the running game going right away, first offensive series. A.J. Dillon was in the backfield. You could see the holes were there. His decisions were on point. His cuts were there. That running game really helping Kurt Benkert get the, you know, get the offense down the field and, and finish that off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Finish off that, uh, um, that drive with a score. Um, it was a good sign. It was a good sign for the Packers running game. And then on top of that, with, with Dillon leaving after the first series, on top of that, you had, I don't know, I don't like to jump the gun, Wes, but seventh-round rookie Kylan Hill sure looks to me like he's going to be the number three running back uh, in this offense. He Every day, he, he helps his case. And the thing about Hill that is so intriguing is the Packers are not asking him to be a 20-carry guy right now. They're asking him to make some big plays and big moments, and I think you've seen that from him. The first thing, and I said it to you during the offseason program that stood out to me was the jump cutting, was his ability to cut on a dime and be able to get upfield. And he's been able to carry that through in pads. And as cool as it was to see him score that first touchdown against Houston, he only had five carries and they went for negative two yards with some of the blocking issues. This game, you got to see him, how he diagnoses the line of scrimmage a little bit better. Still, I mean, seven carries, 29 yards. It's not like he broke like an 80-yard run or anything. But he, he said it after the game. He tweeted it, 256. This is a young man that was an all-SEC running back. It's not like he was playing at some random school in Albuquerque. All right. This is a guy that was a high-level, highly-touted recruit whose college career didn't end the way he wanted it to. So for him to be able to pick himself up and show, okay, there's still a lot more here that everybody didn't see coming out, I thought was really impressive. As you also touched on with A.J. Dillon, I thought that was a really important series for that young man. He's not going to play a lot. He may not play in this game against Buffalo. Right. But it was good to see what he can do in a sort of a featured back role, especially when he's given the holes to operate with. And my last point here, also a tip of the cap to Luke Getze. We found out this past week that it was actually Getze that called the plays early in that game. I thought that was an expertly executed drive. He was able to roll out Benker early on, get him into a nice rhythm with that pass, I believe, to Dylan, and they just sort of rolled from there. So, again, you look at the final score, I understand everything didn't go right, but for where you want to see the Packers really execute, 
like that first team, first snap unit, I, I thought they did so. I thought with uh, what, what I really liked seeing with Dylan is in the very beginning of the game, all the players are fresh. The offensive guys are fresh. The defensive guys are fresh. And A.J. Dillon was not easy to bring down. No. The, the Jets were having a hard time getting him on the ground. And, yes, there were some creases there. I, I liked the cuts he made, as I said before, the decisions he made. But he also was just was getting extra yards by, put, by either pushing the pile or, you know, knocking somebody backwards before the next guy maybe yeah. would bring him down. You saw that on a pretty regular basis there on his handful of carries. I thought that was a good sign. Offensive line. Still not set in stone here with regard to what the Packers are going to do at the guard position. On Saturday night, Royce Newman started at right guard. John Runyon started at left guard. But then when the team returned to practice uh, on Monday, the opening snaps with regard to the guards on the number one offensive line, Royce Newman was at left guard and Lucas Patrick was at right guard. Then later in practice, those two guys switched, but then they also rotated in John Runyon and Ben Braden. So, this uh, uh, all of this rotating and, and carousel and trying to figure out what the best position slash combination everything is still ongoing here and looks like uh, it's going to take the Buffalo game to finally sort it out. Well, you can see the game slowing down for Newman now, and you can see him getting comfortable in a set spot now that he has been dedicating more time to guard because really for the first three weeks of camp, it was a three-horse race. It was Runyon, it was Lucas Patrick, and it was Ben Braden. And here comes Royce Newman, a guy that played a lot of tackle, but also had experience in college at Old Miss playing on the offensive line in that guard position. This is going to be very interesting to see which direction Green Bay goes from here because while you do want to keep the competition open and you got to make sure you give those backups, they're the guys who will end up being backups enough work because you and I have seen very quickly you can be thrown in there and be a 16-game starter. You also wonder at what point you want to solidify that group and give them a chance to gel because you do have a rookie center there in Josh Myers that's going to be getting used to two different line mates. And then when David Bakhtiari comes back, he has Elton Jenkins working next to him as well. So uh, Newman, though, I thought has made a really good account of himself. I mean, you can see the power. You can see what he brings. to You can see what made him a fourth-round pick. Yeah. And uh, if you can get the, the footwork thing figured out where he had that little <laughs> incident with Ben Kurt in the game, uh, you know, I, I think this is a guy that really is going to excel in that spot between Myers and Turner. Yeah, well, before we move on to the other side of the ball, Wes, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, Wes, two guys that I think are worth talking about here, a pair of rookie defensive linemen who are making an impression. And I'm talking about fifth-round pick T.J. Slayton out of Florida and the undrafted Jack Heflin out of Iowa. Now, these are two young men who have both gotten a, a pretty good share of reps through these first two preseason games. And uh, yes, there have been some ups and downs. We hear from the coaches, consistency is always that word. They want to see the same effort, the same level of execution, you know, play after play. That doesn't happen with rookies, certainly with, um, with late round picks and, and undrafted guys. But you can see these guys are coming along and the coaches are liking what they're seeing. They're liking the progress, and, and these, are, uh, the, these are two young men who have had a pretty good month. Well, you know, starting over to Daryl Slayton, I mean – this guy, as, as Jack even talked about when he was meeting with the media, 
I mean, he's a grown man. <laughs> I mean, six foot four, 330 pounds. Jerry Montgomery mentioned 18% body fat. Mike, I don't even know what, want to know what my percent of body fat is. <laughs> I mean, he is an incredible athlete. And, you know, one thing is he's probably gotten to where he's gotten to a lot of times, leaning on the athleticism, you know. But I, I think as you teach him technique, man, and, you know, the position that he plays and the, the guys that he's in that room with, that you talk about an excellent opportunity to grow. Yeah, I, I think the table is set for him to have a really nice NFL career if he can stay healthy. And that sack, Mike, how often do you see that somebody rushing from a three technique? I understand it was a preseason game. I understand they're going up these. You know, he's not going up against Josh Sitton, but to be able to pull off that swim move in traffic and still have the the acceleration, you saw the ten area, the ten yard quickness, in, you know, in his pro day numbers and that. Yeah. There's just so much in that young man that I think is exciting for the Packers to unwrap. Jack Heflin is just a grinder. And it was really interesting listening to him speak to the media on Monday and just hearing his story. This is a guy that used to show cattle, uh, you know, in, in a small community, you know, you know kind of just a, uh, earned everything he's ever gotten, self-made sort of dude. Yeah. And for him to come in and make a name for himself, and you can tell just what he's been bringing and eating some important snaps – in the preseason here for the defensive line. He doesn't have all the athletic intangibles of a Slayton or a Kenny Clark, but this is one of those guys that just he you see him time and time again. He won't be denied. And when you're looking for an undrafted free agent find, these are the type of players the Packers have had a lot of success with. Yeah, well, his journey is an interesting one. And, you know, as he described it to us when, you know, answering questions, that he comes out of high school, small town, Prophetstown, Illinois, two, roughly 2,000 people. I think he said 1,900. Yeah. The census um, gave him 2,000. The census has him yeah. at 2,000 now. But um, he didn't get a single Division One scholarship offer. He had only three walk-on offers to, uh, to play Division One college football, which is what he wanted to do. He, he wanted to play Division One. He wanted to play for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He yeah. told his mother when he was in eighth grade, even though at the time he said he was 150 pounds, that he, wanted to, that he was going to play football for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well they didn't offer him anything, not a walk-on or whatever. So he goes to Northern Illinois. Well, then after he earns a scholarship as a walk-on at Northern Illinois, plays there for a few years, then you get to the pandemic season. And it's, there's all these questions about whether games are going to be played or are they only going to play conference games. And when you're at a, a mid-major school like a Northern Illinois, the best film that you have for the pro scouts is when is when Northern Illinois plays somebody yeah. non-conference from a Power Five school. Well, that wasn't going to be happening in 2020, so he decided to put himself into the transfer portal, see if he could land somewhere where you know the the uh, he'd get the right kind of film uh, to get noticed by by scouts. Well, lo and behold. He does get an offer from Iowa, the you know his dream school where he wanted to go, and then so he plays there for one season, still doesn't get drafted. But then he has a uh, a Zoom call <laughs> with Packers defensive line coach Jerry Montgomery, who who turns out to be a former teammate of Kelvin Bell, his defensive line coach at Iowa. So there's all of these connections going on he feels really good about the possibility yeah. of going to green bay as an un, uh, you know signing as an undrafted free agent and taking his shot 
and uh, and suddenly here he is with one preseason game to go, and he has put himself in position to get a spot potentially on this 53-man roster. He has, and I actually made this remark during practice on Monday. I think that was the first time that Jerry Montgomery's had all of his defensive linemen available yeah. in this camp so far. It's just been so difficult. So one of the reasons Heflin's been able to do this is he's just gotten a lot of work, whether it was in the team periods and in practice recently, especially against the Jets, or in that preseason game with – Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and, and all these other guys being down. You know, the, the one thing that will be interesting to track with him, you remember Tyler Lancaster, too, in 2018, I believe, or 19, whenever that was. You know, he's a guy that impressed during camp, didn't make the 53 right away, but within a month was up on the 53. Right. Yeah. We'll see how everything goes with Heflin. Maybe the Packers feel he's invaluable enough to keep him. But he just he seems like the kind of guy you want to work with, you want to develop, and at some point he can become a real contributor here at the next level. Yeah, it, it, he'll be an interesting guy to follow, regardless of what happens with uh, with the cut down to to fifty three. But um, but he's he's given himself a chance, and that's one of those guys that at the start of training camp, you and I kind of look at the roster. We're like we you know without having the usual spring access to players and trying to talk to guys and get, we didn't even, we didn't know anything about yeah. this young man. And, and now here he is with a, with a chance to be on the week one roster. And there's a lot of those guys, Mike, that come in every, every t year, you know, from different parts of the country where you, you kind of don't really know who they are and what they're going to be able to bring. And they make one big play. And I remember there was one, I think in the mini camp that I kind of noticed Heflin being able to get in the backfield a little bit and just disrupt. And, you know, your antenna goes up and yeah. then you start to see him more and more and, you know, he's definitely fit that. This was not a huge year for undrafted free agents. You know, we know how this went with this year's draft. I mean, they're just, the pool wasn't as big as it had been in the past. Right. So Packers UFA class was maybe like 10 guys. Um, so for him to put himself in this, this conversation after being in kind of a thin draft class to begin with, I think says a lot about him and the, the way he approached this thing. Yeah. Well, one last thing before we go, Packers still working on some issues on special teams, a very up-and-down game, unfortunately, against the Jets. There was a nice punt return by Reggie Bagleton, really nice play on punt coverage by Christian Uphoff, speaking of undrafted rookie players trying to put themselves in position. But there was a long kickoff return that was allowed. J.K. Scott had, had one very poor punt out of his four. So Packers working through some things still with regard to special teams. But I'll just say this, heading into this final preseason game in Buffalo, there are jobs to be won. Somebody, somebody is going to make an impression, I think, enough just on special teams alone to get a shot at, at the 53 and, and to have a chance to play because, because of all this stuff the Packers are, are trying to work out on special teams. You make a big enough impression just in that phase of the game, I think you have a chance to make this roster. Christian Uphoff is basically one more good rep away on, as a gunner, I think, from – putting himself in that conversation. Right, and he's he's only had 26 defensive snaps combined in the first yeah. two preseason games, and I think we're going to see him potentially play a lot more on defense against Buffalo because of what he's done on special teams that they want to, you know, they want to get a little bit longer look here and and again, yeah, he's he's definitely got to keep an eye on. I'm going to give you a little bit of a secret here, Mike. I mean, we can talk all we want about JK Scott and where he needs to punt the ball and does it need to be towards the sideline? You want the ultimate equalizer in the punting game? Find a gunner that can break a double team and get down the field fast enough to make a guy fair catch a ball. Yep. Uphoff did that in this game. It's what Jeff Janis did so well for so many years in Green Bay. Uh, even through a lot of different fluctuations with the punting situation, Janis was a huge asset in that way. Packers have been missing that. So whether it's Uphoff, whether it's Ennis Gaines, whether it's any of these young guys that can make an impact in that way, 
that's what you need. Because, yeah, I mean, you do want to get it to the sideline. You do want to make it difficult for the punter to return. But with a guy like J.K. Scott, I just keep going back to that, Mike, a guy that has that much leg talent, if you can just get the ball underneath his foot and give guys four and a half seconds to get downfield, that still to me is the best blueprint for being able to make sure that you don't have big, uh, you know, explosive plays allowed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team as training camp continues here in Green Bay. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.